the unknown. Mystery. Space. Have fun. Adventure. Suspense. Fantasy. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror. Welcome to journey number 160 of the Journey Into podcast, featuring A Predicament by Edgar Allan Poe, as presented by Poe Theatre on the Air. I'm your guide in this journey, Marshall Latham, coming to you from base camp in the Treasure Valley. Hey-ho, everyone. It's 2021. And uh, January is kind of the unofficial, or is it the official, uh, Edgar Allan Poe month for the Journey Into podcast. It's bounced around a lot over the years. I even forgot that I changed it to January because I was going to start doing Edgar Allan Poe stories in October, which is when I had done it previously. Uh, But I changed it to January because January 19th, is Edgar Allan Poe's birthday. So I thought that would be a good time to do Edgar Allan Poe month here on the podcast. If Edgar Allan Poe were still alive, this would be his 212th birthday. So happy birthday, Edgar. I hope to do you proud this month. I was going to narrate one of his stories myself, but I have run out of time for that. So I'm going to do that for next January. I'm going to read one of these stories. I always kind of chicken out, you know, I narrated The Bells, which is one of my favorite poems of Poe's for the podcast. But other than that, I've always had other people do Poe for me because they do such a better job of it. Oh, that's not true. I did narrate The Premature Burial way back when for the podcast. Even before I had this podcast, I recorded that story. And so I'm sure it's not very good. Maybe I'll post a link to it in the podcast. Uh, But I've also gone back and done old-time radio shows of Edgar Allan Poe stories, which can vary in quality and faithfulness, I guess, to the source material. Um, But I think it's a lot of fun to play those as well. Uh, Recently, over the last couple years or so, I have discovered, thanks to Sam McDonald, a podcast out there called Poe Theater on the Air. And it's a group of uh, professional actors and uh, obviously producers, because the audio quality and the production quality is very good. They put out adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe stories. And, you know, some of them can take liberties, some of them don't. Sometimes they do experimental things, like somebody wrote their own version of, kind of like a biography of Edgar Allan Poe, merged with a adaptation of William Wilson. That was interesting to listen to, and kind of experimental in its application. Uh, especially because that particular episode was a departure from their typical setup. The way that they frame each episode of their podcast is that you are a guest visiting an asylum. And I can't remember the name of the asylum, but you're being escorted around the asylum, being introduced to various patients 
uh, that are in this asylum. And so basically each patient is a character from an Edgar Allan Poe story. And you hear the story from their perspective and and, and it kind of, you know, goes into the story. They're fairly faithful most of the time to the source material, but they don't read it word for word like I've done on this podcast or have it read word for word, I should say. But they do a good job of it. I've really liked a lot of their adaptations right now. They're doing uh, Fall of the House of Usher which is kind of an interesting adaptation to listen to. They Again, like I said, top quality, uh, production quality, great sound, great actors. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So I encourage you to go over, and I'll, again, put a link to them on the show notes as well uh, so that you can go check out the rest of their stories. You can tell that they enjoy it, that they have a lot of fun doing this. So like I said, you're being taken from room to room and you're being introduced to all these different patients and uh, you're, the person who's escorting you is a doctor, Dr. Maillard. I think it's Maillard or is it Mallard? Mallard? <laughs> I should listen to this before I... Anyway, uh, so that's kind of fun. He's a kind of a fun character. He, you can tell that he kind of gets pleasure out of interacting with these different patients and kind of kind of poking them a little bit and and, uh, getting them to to react to his comments and things like that. And I have a suspicion that at the end of all this, if there is an end to their podcast, which I hope there isn't because I guess eventually they'll run out of stories. But uh, my suspicion is that we're going to end up in an adaptation of the system of Dr. Tarr and Professor Fether. Or is it the other way around? Professor Tarr and Dr. Fether. Anyway... Today we're going to talk about a story that I wasn't aware of, that I hadn't heard before. I thought I had at least known of all of Edgar Allan Poe's stories, but this one I hadn't heard before. So sorry to talk so much here up in front of the episode, Uh, but here, come with me and let's journey into the asylum of Dr. Millard and his patients. It's time. You're listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air. Sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, this ongoing series brings to your ears the best-known works from America's revered grandfather of horror and suspense. Walking through the asylum of the mysterious Dr. Mallard, Poe's wretched souls describe their awful tales while they await the doctor's revolutionary system to treat and cure the mentally crippled. In today's episode, the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air takes on Poe's darkly comic tale of a woman who has lost her head, worrying about the time to come, a predicament. In our last episode, Berenice, we heard the story of a man whose obsessive fascination for his cousin's smile drove him to the most ghastly acts of mutilation. Let us start with this incisor. A canine? Molar. Now, Professor Mallard leads us down the hall for a conversation with another of his children. I cannot say too much about the next case, except that the fair victim is suffering from a monstrous delusion. I shall say no more. Uh, before we go, if you have a timepiece, a pocket watch or so forth, please keep it well hidden. And if it is noisy, you know... Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. That's how they go, isn't it? If your watch is noisy, leave it outside. Come in. Come in. 
How are you, my dear? I've been waiting to see you for an age, Doctor. Except my humblest apologies, my dear. I've simply been doing my rounds. And saving the best for last? Not quite last, my dear lady, but rest assured, you were constantly on my mind. Oh, Doctor, you shall make me blush. You may need to catch me if I swoon. Who is this? A guest. To see me like this? In this condition? I assure you that our guest is empathic and enlightened. But look at me! A hideous spectacle, a, a freak, out of kilter with all things natural. Unless, unless, are you a surgeon? No, just an honored guest, a visitor. Oh, doctor! Calm yourself, my dear, calm yourself. We have talked about your agitations often enough. Mm. Although you may behold yourself as a freakish spectacle to my guest and to Do me. Do not or... patronize me, medical man. Look how your friend looks at me. Eyes of disgust, sneering, haughty. Do you not think I see the truth of my unsightliness? Step back, my friend. You call yourself a pioneer of medicine? Ridiculous. You couldn't cure a filthy dog. Language, my dear. Watch your tone. <laughs> You charlatan, you quack, imposter. Look, my lady, what I have for you. Is it a cure? At last, at last, a panacea. Oh, doctor, I simply knew you would. No, my lady, it is this. <gasps> a clock. Yes, a pleasant timepiece. Very precise, too. Elegant, is it not? Keeps time very well and adorns one most no, agreeably. No, no, Accurate no. and exorable tick tock, tick tock, no. tick tock. What? Don't you want to know the time, my dear? Take it away. I beg you. I will be good. I make no demands. I will wait patiently. You'll cure me. All in good. Say it, my dear. All in good. No. All in good. Sorry, I could hardly hear you, and my friend heard not a word. All in good time! Ah, oh, what pleasure, exploring the venerable streets of a fine city. Would you not concur, Julius? Yes, milady. Please, keep Diana close to you. Of course, milady. Here, Diana. She's as excited as I am. Tourists upon a trail of discovery. I bring an open mind and open eyes to take in and absorb the splendor of civilization. The city. Am I not correct, Julius? Of course, my lady. I open my ears, too, to the sounds, the rhythm of the streets, conversations and music, laughter and song. <laughs> Diana agrees. Oh, you're a good little lady. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Isn't she a good little lady, Julius? The very best member of the canine family, my lady. Oh, look! The locals are dancing. Let us behold the traditional sport. Right you are, my lady. Hello there, gorgeous. Uh, me? Yes, don't be a shrinking violet. Come and dance. <laughs> I think not. Come on, treat yourself. My dancing days are past, sir. You'll be in good hands. My hands. <laughs> Unhand her, you filthy wretch. <laughs> You're lost, Suki Snobs. <laughs> what 
do you mean? Be off with you, or you shall feel my cane. <laughs> Silky snobs. Silky snobs. Silky snobs. That is not my name. What did he mean, Suki? Oh, I cannot even utter it. I've never been so insulted in all my life. What did he mean? I haven't the foggiest idea, milady. An insult from an uncouth wretch, that is all. Yes, yes, quite so. It is not for me I am distressed. It is poor Diana. Look at her. Most upset to see her beloved mistress insulted with a coarse tongue. Poor thing. Poor thing. Pick her up, Julius. Very good, my lady. My poor little Diana. He was a horrid little man, wasn't he? He has gone now. Oh, Julius, these streets are squalid. I miss the bucolic realm of home. Fields, orchards, lakes, and my little hermit in his hut. What is that odor? Something is rank. Must be these common people. No doubt, my lady. What shall we do? I tire of this malodorous place. I find myself quite melancholy. Oh, dear. How very regrettable, my lady. And Diana is sad, too. Whatever shall we do? Oh, look! What a glorious clock! High up on the cathedral there! Yes, indeed! Glorious, my lady! Up high! Away from squalor! A spiritual realm so far from the ignominy of the street! Let us ascend! Are you sure, my lady? I beg your pardon, Julius. Nothing, my lady. Hello? Hello? Anyone here? Signor? Padre? Your reverence? No one here, Julius. So it would appear, my lady. Oh, my, my. What a magnificent example of architecture, my lady. Behold how the nave leads down to the chancel with such an exquisite sense of grandeur and gravitas. And above, such a tasteful triforium running across in elegance. And on high, oh, the ribs and ridges of the spectacular high vault. It is the finest example of Gothic ecclesiastical work that I... So how do we do it? Do what, my lady? How do we go up? But, but, but there are our wonders down here, my lady. Oh, paintings. A great master here. Oh, oh, another there. The tiling on the floor alone is magisterial. And I am sure that the misericords carved upon the ancient wood... No! I want to go up! For the view, Julius. For the view. Away from the dirty clay of the ground and the stink of the city. Up, Julius! Perhaps the crypt... Perish the thought, a wretched place. Uh, uh, No, no, my lady, it it would be... So uh, it is settled. We shall go up. Mm. (laughs) Diana agrees. But with your permission, my lady, and Diana's, uh, may we not, if truth be known, I have a horror of heights. (laughs) How absurd. What nonsense. A fear of heights? Impossible. Who ever heard of such a thing? Up, up we go, Julius. Look. There, the spiral staircase will take us up to the heavens. Very well. Very good, my lady. (gasps) 
Come on, Julius. Nearly there. You're coming, my lady. Not too far behind you. Look at Diana. An example to you. You are just being lazy. I assure you. I... What is it? There, upon the stairs. Oh, it's just a rat. These old buildings. Oh, no. Diana is about to pounce. Here, Diana. Oh, oh my lady. Julius, how dare you? You knocked me over. Uh, I was merely trying to stop your dog. Do not call Diana a dog. Never, milady, and I tripped. And knocked me over. I, I can only apologize. Ow. Let that slap be a lesson to you. Very good, milady. Well delivered. Lesson learnt. How in heaven's name am I supposed to see anything? It is so gloomy. We are not supposed to be here. Look there. An opening. A glimpse of azure sky, a window on the world for my benefit. An aperture in the clock face, I imagine, for maintenance, or perhaps a broken pane. No, Julius, a window on the world. Oh, my window is too high to reach. Time to descend, milady. It has been a most edifying visit. Don't be silly. Kneel down here. I shall climb upon your back. Oh, are you sure? At once. Good. Uh, Up I climb. Uh, now stoop, uh, Julius. Uh, now straighten. Uh, I will place my feet upon your shoulders. Uh, there seems to be an opening in the clock face if I can just fit my head in. Uh, A bit snug, but... Oh, wondrous. Can you see, madam? Oh, yes. Please to hear it, my lady. Oh, you should see it. I can see the rolling hills beyond the city, the distant ocean, birds at flight, the city itself like a map below. May we leave now? What is that cacophony? Oh, uh, rats again, my lady. Deal with it, Julius. At once. Although, truth be told, you are still on my shoulders, my lady. Do not argue. Rescue Diana. A bite from that vermin will be venomous. Diana. Diana. Leave the rat alone. Oh, you wretched, pesky cur. I shall Diana have to... is not a cur. She's never been so insulted in her life. As soon as we are home, you shall be dismissed, Julius. But I have worked for your family since before you were born. What have I done to deserve Vulgarity, my... deplorable behavior. I demand an apology on behalf of Diana, the sweetest soul I have had the pleasure to own. Please accept my apology, Diana. It seems she has spotted the rat again, I shall have to do it myself. Now let me just... Uh, Julius? Yes, milady? I appear to be stuck. I cannot extricate my head from the opening. Uh, I see. Well, perhaps if I give you an extra boost... No, no, that's worse. That's worse. Uh, perhaps if I lower myself... Stop! 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 If I cannot go up or down... Inside to side is impossible, and to release you... Oh, my lady, this would certainly seem to be a predicament. I cannot go up, I cannot go down, sideways is not possible, and if I let you go completely, it would be as swift and sharp as an executioner's drop. Julius? Yes, my lady? 
How is Diana? Diana is fine, m'lady. Eating the rat she caught quite, quite happily. No, she simply must not. Oh, no. It is best not to move about so much, m'lady. Yes, yes, you're right. Julius? Yes, m'lady. One little question. Of course, m'lady. What are we to do? It's funny you should ask. I was just speculating on that very question myself. No obvious solution to this conundrum has manifested itself as yet, but rest assured I shall continue to give it some thought, m'lady. Good work, Julius. Thank you, m'lady. Aha! I have it! Oh, well done, m'lady. Tell me. Tell me. Diana! Send Diana for help. <sighs> of course, m'lady. Diana, when you have quite finished eating your rat, could you possibly go and get help? Your mistress and her servant are in considerable distress. Be a good dog. Do not call Diana a dog. I am horribly sorry, m'lady. I beg to report that Diana is otherwise engaged. It's a very big rat, and she is, let's be honest, a very small dog. She may be at it for some time. How inconvenient. Quite, m'lady. Julius? Yes, m'lady? When I turn my head, I can see something. Oh, how magnificent. Some salvation. A means of escape. No. When I gently turn my head and look to my left, I can see the huge, glittering, scimitar-like minute hand of the clock. It is ten feet long and eight inches wide, I would say, and it gets closer and closer. Might you be able to, uh, duck, my lady? No, I do not think so. I am, as you are no doubt aware, completely stuck. And its trajectory is directly in line with my... Oh, dear. I see. Oh, dear, indeed. <laughs> it might send one quite, quite insane. Oh, quite. <laughs> a predicament like this. <laughs> it's quite a predicament. <laughs> Help! Help! It rests upon my neck! Diana, please run for help! I'm afraid Diana is having a rest. Or maybe the rat did not agree with her. Oh no, I tell you, it is upon my neck! As sharp as a scimitar! Help! Help! I bleed! I bleed! Oh, oh, oh no! M-m-m-lady! I'm glad that's over. Free at last. M'lady, your head! What of it? Separate to your body. Sliced clean through. 
The body gushes blood, yet your head is talking. It's still talking. I must be hideous to look at, Julius. Compose yourself and take me to a doctor, the finest physician you can find. Doctor, there must be hope. There must be a cure. Surely you can attach my head to my body once again. I cannot live like this. I'm hideous to behold, a freak most unnatural. No, As you can see, there's unnatural. nothing wrong with her perfect health. Natural. Yes, there is a scar upon her neck. It's all true, you see. She did get her head stuck in the aperture of a cathedral clock. What's that you say? No, no, her head was not cut off. Of course not. The scar upon her neck is but small, yet it was enough to send her uh, off her head. <laughs> yes, her faithful servant Julius managed to set her free literally in the nick of time. <laughs> yes. The minute hand cut into her neck and Julius the manservant, in a remarkable demonstration of prowess, a superhuman show of strength phenomenal for an old man, pulled her up and wrenched her free. He brought her to a doctor, a good friend of mine, actually, and he patched up her neck, little drop of medicine for the pain, a stitch to seal the cut, but she persisted that her head was off, off completely. So he brought her to me, a specialist surgeon, so she thinks, to reattach the decapitated. The procedure is yet to happen, so she believes I am hiding her from the world. Doctor, there must be hope. When can you operate? Make me whole again. Cure me of this state of divorce. Doctor, I assure you I can take the pain of it. Don't forget I felt the scimitar-sharp blade of a minute hand sever my neck so very slowly and live to tell the tale. Oh, that day in the city, exploring the streets alone with Diana, beholding the spectacle of civilization... I'll never forget it, but most of all, I'll never forget... That time that you got your head caught in a great big clock, my dear? <coughs> a wonderful case, is it not? The trauma lives with her still, convincing her that the grim fate that did not but so nearly happen removed her head. But we need to make her recover. How to do it is the question. If this continues much longer, maybe I will need to remove her head myself and reattach it, just to fulfill her reality and permit her to return to normal life. Otherwise, she's in stasis, like a broken clock. <laughs> in my training, I was a demon with the bone saw. I'd have her pretty little head off in seconds, stitched back on in... Oh minutes hours that is possible isn't it but no 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 we all know what the greatest healer is don't we it's time of course time <laughs> enough of such talk it's only a few steps to my next fascinating case You've been listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air and our production of A Predicament, adapted for radio by Richard J. Hand. A Predicament was directed by Alex Avistovich and produced by Ty Ford with the voices of Brian McDonald, Jennifer Restack, and Alex Avistovich. 
Poe Theatre on the Air theme by Greg Martin. The National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air is sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, purveyors of Poe-inspired craft beer. More information can be found on the web at ravenbeer.com. More information on the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air can be found at poetheater.org. Until next time, this is Alex Avistovich reminding you that all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. So there you go. There was A Predicament by Edgar Allan Poe, as adapted and presented by Poe Theater on the Air. I hope you enjoyed that. I really like their podcast. I hope you go check it out. And I definitely may feature more of their adaptations here. And I appreciate them for letting me feature their podcast here on my podcast. It's very nice. Uh, This story, though, was not a story that I was familiar with. It kind of slipped through my fingers. I had never heard of A Predicament. And so after I heard this episode on Poe Theater on the Air, I had to go find it and read it myself. There's a website that I go to that has most of of his stories. And I have a a physical book, which is the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe. And I didn't recognize it from there either. I thought I at least knew of all of his stories, even if I haven't read them all that I would recognize a title. Oh yeah, that's an Edgar Allan Poe story. That was in my book, or I saw that online or something. Um, so for me, it was very pleasurable to find this episode. And in a way, it's it's kind of a departure for Poe. You know, he's writing from a female perspective. It is, you know, a little bit... <laughs> it's not necessarily flattering toward the woman, but it is written in first person, which is pretty typical, as we've found out here over the years. And I enjoy first person. It, it is a little odd, though, that uh, the first person narrator gets killed in the story because I think we talked about this before. How does the narrator tell a story if they're dead? <laughs> so that's, and it's interesting the way that uh, Poe Theater on the Air handled that as well. So yeah, it, it's kind of a delightful little story. You feel bad for the servant because you can tell, you know, how pretentious this woman is. And she gets herself in this predicament, and she uh, faces the consequences of that decision. So is there some ironic justice there? Yes. You know, I, th- I think Poe definitely goes, always goes for that irony in the stories. And, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, they did change a few things. Not a lot, though. I mean, in the spirit of the story, it's, it's pretty close to the source material, um, it's not word for word, which I think if it was, it, there, this premise wouldn't work. The, the way that they frame it in the asylum and, and uh, talking to each of these patients. And so they, they do a good job and, and they captured exactly uh, what Poe had, maybe without some of the Latin <laughs> that he likes to use or French sometimes or whatever. And I guess they never did indicate, you know, what nationality the servant was or what his stature was, but in the Edgar Allan Poe's story proper, he's definitely described as, well, the narrator describes it as my Negro, which of course is not appropriate, but he was also a little person. You know, she describes how tall he was and 
that's why she was trying to get on his shoulders and things like that. And I really liked the servant in this adaptation. And you could just feel, you know, you know, yes, he's doing his job. He's doing his duty. He is trying to serve this woman as best he can. But underneath it, you can tell the wariness and the contempt and the, you know, but he is a good servant, you know, reminded me a lot of uh, Downton Abbey. And anyway, and I thought they did a fantastic job. Great job. In a lot of cases, they really bring Poe's stories to life uh, in a way that's that's pretty enjoyable. And it's understandable to the audience. You know, a lot of Poe is really dense and thick and, re- you know, long run on sentences and hard to understand. I love the language of Poe's writing. Uh, but even I can go, holy cow, how do you... <laughs> how do you say that? Or I don't understand what he's trying to say here. Uh, that's why I always like to use Dave Robison because he does such a great job with it. He, he, he pulls it off seemingly effortless, but I'm sure there's a lot of preparation, a lot of effort that goes in behind the scenes. He's never given me his blooper reel or his <laughs> swear track or whatever, but man, I, I'm sure it, it's a challenge even for, somebody of the stature of Dave Robison, um, who I will bring back. You know, he was kind of my annual tradition of Dave Robison reading a Poe story, and he's always been gracious about it. Um, But I wanted to feature this for you here because I've enjoyed the podcast so much. I wanted to showcase it and get other people to to listen to it as well. I'm grateful for Sam for uh, pointing it out to me. And, uh, you know, I've read through Sam's review of it on his blog, The Audio File. And I'll put a link to his blog in the show notes as well. So I'm going to be busy putting all these uh, show notes together this time. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Poe's a lot of fun. You know, I, I really enjoy Poe, obviously. And I guess, you know, maybe just a quick update uh, before I leave you here today. So speaking of Sam McDonald, I am very close to being finished with the production of his winning story in the Journey into Journey contest that we did last year. And uh, so next month, I will have that ready for you. And uh, then I'll, I'll continue working on the other winners of the contest as well. So look forward to that, Sam, and all of, all of the rest of you. Uh, before the end of the month here, I, I need to get out my, uh, my monthly old-time radio show episode out here as well. I guess this could count as an old-time radio, but it's kind of a new-time radio <laughs> uh, show. But... Uh, And it looks like, according to the poll that was on Patreon, that uh, we're going to be talking about the Oblong Box radio adaptation. Uh, So look forward to that here in a little bit. And I will talk to you guys at that time. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, because I know you tuned in your internet and your cell phone (laughs) to this frequency. And until next time, kids... Stay safe out there and journey on. This is Kevin Powell from The Drama Pod, and I'm here to tell you that the Journey Into podcast is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. This means that while you cannot change it or sell it, you are encouraged to share it however and with whomever you would like. The theme music for the podcast has been provided by Man in Space.
again, that was an adaptation. That was a production that I was working on, and I had so many voice actors involved in it, and I lost all the audio, and I was very close to completion. And I just haven't had the strength and the uh, the gumption to uh, start trying to pull all that back together because <laughs> it was really kind of a burst to my bubble. But uh, maybe I'll make that a, a goal. Maybe next January I will present to you my second attempt at pulling that together. And I think I have some of the audio. Well, I don't need to go into all that. <laughs> 